You're listening to Liberty, a podcast on the everyday practice of liberation. I'm Andrea Renee, and this is episode number four. Let's dig in. Hey friends, before I say anything else, I want to acknowledge the recent news of Trump calling for a ban of transgender folks in the military. I know that there's a lot of conversations going on of if he can even do that or if he's just trolling and trying to take attention away from the healthcare bill. And I don't really want to get into any of that. (laughs) But what I want to say is that if you are trans gender non-conforming, non-binary, or even questioning your gender identity. I see you. You are not a burden. You are not a distraction. Your needs are valid, and you are such a gift. And if you're cisgender, meaning you identify with the gender identity that you were assigned at birth, typically man or woman, we must do better for our trans siblings, y'all. So I have some questions that I want to share with you. I came across an article earlier today entitled, To the Cis Person Angrily Sharing News of the Trump Transgender Military Ban. It's written by Angela Dumlau, which I hope, you, <laughs> I hope I'm saying your name right. They identify as a queer, non-binary, Filipinx American. And I'll make sure to link to the article in the show notes. Within the article, this is what they shared. And I quote, What do you do? to support trans people. I don't need answers, but I want you to think about whether you actively use people's pronouns, both when they're around and not around. Do you correct other cis people when they misgender someone or use their dead name? Do you intake media by trans people, TV, books, articles, art, music? Do you laugh at jokes like Trump being made up with makeup Do you realize that this is transphobic? Do you perpetuate the idea that trans women are really men, even in the most innocent, subtle way? Do you know about the epidemic of trans women of color being murdered in the US and beyond? Do you share these articles? Do you sad react to them? Do you avoid them? Do you actively use your privilege as a cis person to make the world better for your trans siblings? First of all, thank you, Angela, for writing that. I think it's so important, and I'm so glad that it's being shared around by so many of the cis people in my community. And those are some of the questions that I'm working to hold myself accountable to. And if you're committed to our collective liberation and cultivating communities in a world that supports the existence and growth of transgender people, I hope you'll take these on as well, because we have so much work to do. Now, on to the rest of this episode, which relates to what I just mentioned, and this is something that Ifashina and Bonnie in episodes one and three touched on a bit as well. Accountability and humility. There's another article that I've seen floating around my social media world for a couple weeks called Excommunicate Me from the Church of Social Justice. It's written by Frances Lee, a queer and trans person of color, and I'll also link to it in the show notes. 
They wrote about the connections they've seen between the culture of evangelical Christianity that they've experienced and the culture of activism and social justice. I really resonated with this piece, especially related to the push for purity and ultimate wokeness. The expectations that we set for what it means to be a good person or an activist, or the lack of space and compassion we give ourselves and each other to fuck up and make mistakes, or learn or unlearn in public. Or the ways we punish those who aren't where we want them to be in terms of the language that we use, or the understanding that we have, or how we practice activism. And all of this is nuanced, right? But the question that has been on my mind for a while is, how do we hold ourselves and each other accountable to the values and the visions that we're committed to in a way that's liberatory? Meaning, in a way that is actively anti-oppressive, that acknowledges the nuance of our various identities and intersections, and that's also supportive of our collective liberation, whatever that means or looks like to the parties that are involved. I believe that a part of this must include staying connected to the past versions of ourselves, the parts of ourselves that didn't know what we know now, the parts of ourselves that said or perpetuated harmful thoughts or ideas, the parts of ourselves that hurt others intentionally or unintentionally. We have to remember where we came from, where we've grown from, where we've healed from. Otherwise, when we experience the harmful words or actions of another that seem similar to what we used to say or do, we will dispose of them the same way that we dispose of ourselves, which is something that we cannot afford to do. No human is dispensable. And side note, I do believe that there's a difference between setting boundaries in our relationships with one another as we navigate our complex experiences and identities, or cutting off those that are unwilling to be held accountable and consistently exhibit toxic or abusive behaviors. There's a difference between that and socially ostracizing or scarlet lettering someone with a capital P for problematic because they've said or done something or believe something that we disagree with. The things that I am intensely committed to is honoring the humanity within myself and within others. And this is how I choose to practice that. So I guess that's my question too, right? Is how do we relate to each other through conflict in a way that is relational and humanizing? The belief systems and ways of being that I was socialized into growing up around race, gender, sexuality, class, and so on are so uncomfortable to look at. The first time I came in contact with the language and deeper understandings of non-binary, gender non-conforming, and transgender folks and their experiences, I felt the importance of it. But it also clashed so much with my previous worldview that a part of me felt like the pronouns use and the specific words that we put on gender identities was kind of trivial. That was and is my privilege. That I have been able to go throughout my life and never skip a beat when others assumed my gender, referred to me as a girl or a woman or use she, her pronouns. I've been misgendered less than five times in my life, and each time my feelings were hurt, but only once did I ever feel like my safety was on the line. And that was when two masculine presenting teenagers followed me down the street and verbally harassed me because they assumed that I was transgender. 
this is something that some trans people have to anticipate and navigate on a daily basis. If you're trans and you're listening to this, you know this. I do not. And that is my privilege. And I have learned and changed so much and I still have unlearning and healing to do. But I refuse to dispose of that version of Andrea that got mad at a non-binary person when they corrected me on their pronouns. If I do, then when I come across someone who is doing the same or is misgendering another person, I may lose the ability to see myself in them. Therefore, losing the ability to empathize with them which is something that is very important to me. And the empathy is not just for them, for their benefit, for the person that is doing the harm's benefit. It is also for me, my own protection. I have found myself so many times and been told so many times that I can tend to jump down people's throats when they're doing something that I used to do maybe a year ago that was harmful or oppressive or dehumanizing. And that is not the person that I want to be. Not because it's, it's wrong necessarily, but because it doesn't get me to my vision, my goal of cultivating spaces, creating spaces that can hold our complexity, where people can be seen for who they are, where they are, as they are. Being that person does not get me to that. And so I want to see myself in the person that's doing harm. I want to say what part of them reminds me of me, what part of what they're doing reminds me of something that I've done. Because seeing someone doing harm and saying, oh, they're problematic as fuck, does not allow me to see the humanity within myself, does not make space for the part of myself that is reflected in them. And this may sound kind of like spiritual or touchy-feely, and that's kind of who I am. So, hey, I'm Andrea. (laughs) But that's what I have for you. Like, overall, I just, I want us to remember where we are coming from. That we were all born into this world that has so many problems. We were all taught so many problematic oppressive harmful dehumanizing things about ourselves about each other about various identities various people across the world and we're all unlearning it we're all healing from it so do what you can with what you have but also remember where you're coming from when you know better do better but don't lose the connection that you have with the part of yourself that didn't know anything all right And with that, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And I'll talk to you next time in the next episode or maybe on social media. If you want to connect with us on social media, I don't know why I keep saying us. There is no us. It's me. (laughs) Visit the podcast at the Liberty Podcast on Instagram. You can also, for the show notes, go to thelibertypodcast.com forward slash three. As I said in the first episode, I do want this to be a conversation. So if there are some things that like you have questions about or resonated with you or is challenging to you or just doesn't even resonate with you at all and you're kind of mad about what I said, let's talk. And until then, I wish you love and liberty.
Maybe I keep saying us because I'm referring to the podcast as another entity. So me and the podcast. Hmm. Food for thought.